Clara Almazo. She was a uh, immigrant from Mexico. She lived in Staten Island. She was 57. She had uh, 10 kids, 20-something grandkids. She was crossing the street uh, with her grandson, Brian. He was eight. This was in Staten Island. As they're crossing the street, uh, the driver of this SUV blows a red light. And he's flying. He's moving really fast. And he kills Clara. She was thrown uh, 20 feet. But she saved her grandson's life. She pushed him out of the way. Uh, Eyewitnesses. And then eventually uh, surveillance video that they were able to obtain. You can see it. Um, She sees the, this is all in a second or two, I guess. She sees the car. She grabs him and pushes him. He lands on the sidewalk. And in that second, she's hit. He lives and she dies. That was 10 years ago, this month, 10 years. Actually, it was this night. It was Holy Thursday. They were coming home from Mass, this Mass. Clara Almazo, I think, lived this Mass. Cardinal Dolan went to her funeral. This is what he said. Coming home from Holy Thursday Mass, the night that Jesus begins his passion, and then giving her life for her grandson, if that's not Christian witness, if that's not heroic virtue, I don't know what is. So it's Holy Thursday. You know, and in a very particular way, intentional way, we, we remember and we celebrate the Eucharist, the Mass, the Last Supper, the First Mass. I love how the church does it. I love how the church explains it in this liturgy, in its readings. First you got St. Paul, his description of what happened on the first Holy Thursday. We just heard it. On the night he was handed over, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and said, this is my body, that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
we know that. We hear that or sort of a, a version of that every time we're here, every time we come to Mass. And then you get John's Gospel, his take on that night. Same night, same place, same meal, same characters, but it's not really described. Not the way Paul did. John's Gospel was the last, the last one that was written. It was written about 60 years, 55 years after the Last Supper. So there was 50 years of the early church, one way or another, celebrating the Eucharist, coming together. Didn't look exactly like it does tonight, but certainly parts of it. Look at what Paul said. That's familiar to us. It's interesting, John doesn't actually mention any of what Paul describes. He doesn't contradict it. He just doesn't mention it. Maybe because for 50 years people had been doing it, maybe it was just presumed. Yeah, that's what happened that night. That's what he said. That's what he told us to do. John's take is this washing of the feet. It's interesting how somebody can talk about the same event and have two kind of different perspectives. One is this meal, these words, bread and wine, talk of remembrance. And then you get this washing of the feet and these directives. He says, you call me master and teacher, and rightly so, for I am. If I, the master and teacher, have washed your feet, then you must wash each other's feet. I have given you a model to follow. As I have done for you, you also must do. So which one is it? Is it Paul's version or John's version? Well, it's both, right? And it has to be both. I think it's almost like one doesn't really work without the other. They're certainly not complete without the other. You know what I think it is? You know what I think these two readings together become? That grandmother I talked about, Clara Almazo. What happened to her 10 years ago this night? Think about it. She received the Eucharist, and then minutes later, she became the Eucharist. She entered into Paul's version and she lived out John's version. 
She didn't go wash feet. She did way more than that. She saved the life of two little feet. I think that's when it's complete. Maybe that's why John, writing years later, was like, you know what, I got to focus on this foot washing thing. Maybe because they had forgotten. Maybe the focus became too much about one and not about the other. You know, uh, John Paul II, when he was, uh, he wasn't even a bishop yet. I think this is when he was a, a professor. He was teaching at a, at, a col- at a college or university in Poland. This was about the late 1950s. He, uh, he got very close with this group of young students. It was almost like formed, almost like a, like a youth group. They're all young adults. They would hang out. They used to... Uh, They'd go on these trips, they'd go hiking and kayaking. There's actually pictures of it, him way back when he was young. Anyway, eventually, uh, he wrote this book in 1960, and he kind of was born out of the experiences he had with these young people, how they were living their lives and what made them tick. And He wrote this book called Love and Responsibility. It talks a lot about philosophy and ethics and relationships and marriage. Anyway, in the book, he coined this phrase, this concept. He called it the law of the gift. The law of the gift. And really, what he was saying was this, and I I think this is what he meant. Some of his writing isn't the easiest to... uh, to figure out, but I think it was basically this. He said, and again, he kind of came to this, was spending a lot of time with these young people. He said, you know, we become most fully ourselves, most fully human, most free, most fulfilled, at our best, when we give ourselves away. When we give ourselves away as a gift in service and in sacrifice. It's like we receive our lives precisely when we offer them as a gift. I mean, think about that. Just to play it out. Think of times in your life when you were just at your best most free, most human, most fulfilled. I'll bet you it was when you were serving other people. You were giving away. We were giving away what we had for others. And that's when great things happened. That's when our hearts like soared the highest. Anyway, this was sort of this concept that he came up with. When we serve and when we sacrifice, it's when we're just most free. And on one level, it's like, you know, not a new thought. But I guess it's one that's forgotten. In a culture that's selfish and godless. It's like when you give away your authority, 
and your power and your influence, you get, you get it back. You get way more back. Let me give you a ridiculous example. Do you remember, and I love Lucy, there was a, a season when they went to Europe and for like the whole season, every episode, they were like in a different country. You know, and it was Lucy just having all of her crazy Lucy adventures. Ricky, Ricky's band was, on, was touring Europe. So the, the Ricardos and the Mertzes went. Remember the famous one where she goes to Italy and she's in the uh, crushing the grapes? That's like a classic. But they went to France, they went to Switzerland, they went to England. Anyway, this one is when they went to Monte Carlo. And the episode begins where Lucy and Ethel are just, they're sick of, they're tired of going to Ricky's shows. They've just seen it. They don't, they're tired of it. So they don't want to go. Ricky's like, all right, don't go. Lucy says, we're going to go to the casino. And Ricky, like, forbids her to go to the casino. He says, go out, go to any restaurant you want, but no casino. So what Lucy does is she finds a, a restaurant inside a casino. And as she's walking from the restaurant out for a couple of steps, they're in the casino and she finds a chip on the floor, like a roulette for the roulette game. So she picks it up and she just walks over and she, she's asking people if, if anybody f lost the chip and nobody's even looking at her. So she just takes it, she puts it on the roulette board. Is it roulette? I think that's what it was. And she wins. Like she was just dropping it on the board. And she was walking away and then they call her back and she wins. And then she says, no, no, no. They said, I, no, I, I was giving this away. So she takes the money she won and she puts it back on the table and she wins again. And it becomes this ridiculous experience. Like she keeps winning. And she keeps going back and taking it and she's giving it away. And every time she gives it away, she comes back with more. I think it's like this law of the gift. I mean, Pope John Paul II is probably rolling over his grave that I'm talking about Lucy. But it's this idea that when we give away, we get back more. When I was at St. Anthony's High School, well, there were a couple of kids that stood out over six years who were just kind of, in my mind, the best of the best, just awesome kids, just in all the areas you'd hope if you had a, if they, a, a, a teenage son or daughter, you'd be like, oh, man, I, I'd like them to be like this kid, just respectful and faithful and selfless, hardworking, like just all stars. This one kid was one of them. In fact, he was part of this group of really solid seniors, a group of about five guys. And this was uh, the winter, I guess, or late winter of their senior year, and one of them had a house upstate. They were going to go skiing. And this was like they were talking about this, and they were very excited, and 
Finally, for the first time, they were going away on their own. And then I, one of these five, I asked them, uh, I, I, ref, I mentioned it to him. So I said, are you getting excited for the trip? And he said, oh, I'm not going to go. I said, why? You're not going. He was so a part of this crew. And he goes, uh, no, I got to work. And I remember thinking, like, I didn't believe him. Like, the way he said it, like, he just sort of brushed it off. And I was thinking, you got to work. I mean, couldn't you get, switch out and get coverage? I ran into his mother shortly after that. And I mentioned to him about, it's too bad he didn't get, he had to miss the ski trip. And she said, yeah, but, you know, and I, and I said, like, what? Why didn't, he get, why didn't he get coverage for the work? And she looked at me like, what, what do you mean? And she said, no, he, he wasn't working. I said, well, why, then why didn't he go? There was a girl on his, on his block who was his age, or maybe a year younger, and she had Down syndrome. And she invited him to her prom. She was in a, you know, a school for kids with special needs. And he took her to the prom. And he'd committed to that before the ski trip happened. And he didn't even tell anybody. I mean, I was twice as old as that kid at that point in my life. Man, and that kid, like, could run circles around me. Like, when you think you can't respect somebody anymore, they give you another reason to look up to them. like when you give away your freedom or at least you sacrifice it or you sacrifice opportunity to serve somebody else to wash somebody's feet you win that kid mass every morning we had mass at uh, 7.55 in the morning. They had to be in homeroom at 8.15. Every morning that kid was at mass. Clara Almazo, the grandmother, Staten Island, she went to mass every day. I think they figured out the law of the gift. And somewhere along the way, they realized, I need both. In order to live out John's version, the washing of the feet, I got to be engaging in Paul's, the meal. Like, you can't have one without the other. They're incomplete without each other. And I think those two people, that grandmother and that kid, they figured it out. They proved it. Cardinal Dolan, he went to that funeral. He didn't know her. She wasn't famous. 
She wasn't important. She wasn't a cop or a fireman. She didn't die in the the line of duty. Yes, she did. 